CPR! There you are, motherfucker. You're listening to the Dare Dinger Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and Dan, I have yeah. a special seashell gift for you. Just, it's a bunch of seashells put together in a bouquet with googly eyes. Thank you so much. This is uh, truly a symbol of our love. Uh, absolutely hideous symbol of our love. Take it away, film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everybody. I'm Daniel Barnes, the aforementioned film critic. On this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them using our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, Dare. A truly atrocious movie? You're just like, what if it's not run-of-the-mill bad? What if it's truly atrocious? Double dare. Okay, but what if you actually kind of like the movie? What if you're like, this isn't actually that bad at all? Reverse dare. Do you give a reverse dare? Do you see how the whole dare system works? Come on, I've explained this like 70-some times. You have to understand this by now. Dan, he's excited, folks. He's got a shell gift. A bouquet. (laughs) I got a shell. He just glued some shells to a thing. It was a symbol of our love. It's extremely ugly, and it it occupies a place in my heart. Today on the podcast, we're going to shell in a handbasket. We're reviewing John (laughs) S. Rad's 2005 cult movie, Dangerous Men. We're also going to read some movie dares sent in by our listeners. And before we get started, Dan's going to talk about the beer he's drinking. I'm going to talk about the beer I'm drinking. Corky, I'm drinking a beer that in a way, is the same beer that I drank last week because it is Black is Beautiful, which, of course, is the uh, sort of nationwide collaboration project spearheaded by Weathered Souls Brewing out of San Antonio. And breweries are brewing a dark beer, and they are donating the proceeds to racial equality and social justice causes in their community. This is a beer from Alvarado Street. It is their Black is Beautiful beer. It is a 12 and a half percent decadent as fuck, delicious as fuck, imperial stout with vanilla beans and cacao cacao nibs, and it is cacao nabbing my taste buds and just taking taking them for a ride. It's an absolutely absolutely delicious beer. Of course, everything uh, Alvarado Street does is delicious. Usually, we review their... IPAs, they're great hazies, they're West Coast, they're pale ales and things, but this is just a fantastic Imperial Stout. Corky, what do you got there? I usually try to tie beers to the movie, and I had to do that today again. Coming back to an old favorite, Urban Slice, <laughs> made by Urban Roots and Slice Brewery. It's an 8% yep. Deepa double West Coast IPA. I got it because Slice, because the one of the protagonists for a third of the movie, she slices men up with a knife. <laughs> but also, I just needed the comfort of something refreshing and familiar after being traumatized by this movie. Well, sure. And something that reminds you of the 80s and the 90s Ooh, at the yeah. same time. <laughs> <laughs> because the can art is obviously inspired by the slice uh, soda. So now let's read some dares that are sent in by listeners of the show. Again, if this is your first time, this is your first time. The conceit of the show is that our listeners send us movies. They send their worst movie dares. They're either the sadistic or altruistic, and they want us to watch them, and then we review them on the show. That's how it works. So here's a dare that comes from a friend of mine and a fellow film critic, member of the San Francisco Bay Area Film Critics Circle, Tim Sika. What do you got for me? 
Timmy. Timmy's got Song of Norway from 1970. This is a movie directed by Andrew L. Stone. It stars Florence Henderson and Torolf Morstad. What do you got for me, Torolf? Oh, no. Sorry. This is Tim Sika. Uh, Torolf Morstad is <laughs> My good film. friend, Torolf <laughs> Morstad. Ladies and gentlemen, Torolf Morstad. <laughs> Torolf Morstad. He's doing his thing right now. It's a silent thing. You can't. Uh, it sounds like an affliction. Like I got a Torolf Morstad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got more stat. Oh, it's not Torolf, is it? Uh, oh, it no, is. it's gone Torolf. Oh, fuck. Uh, good Lord. Uh, IMDb synopsis of Song of Norway, starring Torolf Morstad, is based on the life of Norway's greatest composer, Edvard Grieg, and filmed in Norway where he lived. The soundtrack is all Edvard Grieg's music with added lyrics. Why, Tim Siga, do you want me to watch this movie? He says, mostly because it is beyond bad. I mean, that fits the bill. Sumptuous yet egregious. Serious but completely laughable. Manic but also stilted. A musical about the life of Edward Grieg. Obviously made to cash in on the success of The Sound of Music, only it was released after previous attempts to cash in on The Sound of Music had failed. The Hill of Dreams number alone is worth the dare, and Mrs. Brady is in it. That is Song of Norway. Have you ever heard of this movie, Quirky? The only Song of Norway I respect <laughs> is Fernando by the band ABBA. <laughs> There was something in the air that night. The stars were bright. Fernando. I'm fairly sure they were Swedish. I mean, it's all one. What the fuck is the difference, really? It's I mean, it's mo- about time. Yeah. We're Americans, honestly. <laughs> we're not gonna. The Netherlands, kind of Sweden, Switzerland, Danish. Is that sure. the name of a country? We just Danish. mush it, yes. just mush it yes. all together. Danish land, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're Americans, we're idiots, and we don't know what Europe is. Thank you very much, Tim Sika, for your dear. Corky, what do you got? Thank you, Tim. You're a lovely man, and thank you for the support on on social media. And now, our feature presentation. Dangerous Men. Dangerous. Dangerous. Dangerous Men came to us from Jaina Sinclair. Jaina Sinclair dared us to watch, amongst other things, Street Fighter, episode 60-something or other. Uh, and this this dare is, uh, it's kind of a response dare. This is a our, challenge. It's not a dare, it's a challenge. It's a revenge dare. <laughs> it's true, right? Jaina took that personal. She took that review and, personal. And she sent us a revenge movie. Alright. Jaina says, alright, Daniel Barnes, I see you. Too good for Street Fighter, eh? Quote, yes. Quote, the most slapdash filmmaking I've ever seen, unquote. Well, let me tell you, you haven't seen anything yet. Dangerous Man is undoubtedly the most confusing, nonsensical, meandering, <laughs> plotless movie I have ever seen. At no point do fancy film terms like narrative or cohesion enter this movie's dictionary. And you now have to suffer to watch it. I'm sorry to drag you into this quirky... Suffer well, gentlemen. Yeah, once again, you are collateral damage in the war between me and Jaina Sinclair. I, I apologize for her as, uh, from her, and I apologize for myself as well for dragging you into this, Quirky. That's all I've ever wanted, Dan, is for you to apologize for yourself. I'm going to talk about the IMDb synopsis of this movie. I, I read this IMDb synopsis before I watch it. Now I want to reread it and see <laughs> if I agree that this is what this movie's about. <laughs> this is what it's actually about. 
After her fiancé is killed and she is almost sexually assaulted, a woman becomes an avenger of the night seeking to kill all dangerous men who would harm women. Meanwhile, her fiancé's cop brother also seeks to bring down the biker gang associated with the murder. No! it uh, Actually, no. I would say emphatically no that uh, that biker gang that he vows to bring down is nowhere near that murder. They are so clearly associated with the murder in that they are also bikers. <laughs> yes. This week's movie is Dangerous Men, written, directed, what is the credit? It says, like, created by yeah. John S. Rad. John S. Rad. Woo! It was, fuck is John S. Rad. That does not seem like someone's real name. No. John S. Red is Jahing, and I super apologize if I fuck this up, which I absolutely will. Jahinger Salehi Yagenahrad. John S. Rad. Jahinger Salehi Yagenahrad. John S. Rad. So there is a bizarre backstory behind this movie that does not really explain why it is completely fucking insane john s rad apparently this is according to like what i have read and the research that i've done john s rad apparently iranian born man jahangir salehi yaganarad uh studied film in iran was uh wealthy in iran because his family was close to the shah of iran uh, had to move to America in the late 1970s ahead of the fall of the Shah of Iran, if you know anything about Iranian history and the Iranian Revolution or anything. Uh, he had to flee the country and move to America. He started production on the film Dangerous Men in 1984, uh, and he screened a finished version in 1985, and apparently everyone involved with the movie walked out of the screening. So he kept working on it. He said, you know what? More work. Just pile it. You know what? Like, uh, I'm not done on this thing. So he kept working on it intermittently for the next 20 years. (laughs) The movie was finally released in Los Angeles theaters, five Los Angeles theaters. He paid for what is called a four-walling of five Los Angeles theaters in the year 2005, where the film earned a little over $2,000 at the box office. He paid for some... Not only to strike the prints, because again, this is the pre-digital area. So he had to actually strike 16mm and 35mm prints for the film. He had to rent five theaters to show the film. He uh, bought some commercial time on late night TV to show this film in 2005 after working on it for 20 years. It did nothing until Draft House Films picked up the film and re-released it in 2015, at which point it became a, quote, instant cult classic, which is what most of the reviews mention. Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter said, quote, a grand testament to its filmmakers' undeniable passion, tenacity, and complete lack of talent. Corky. Yeah. Talk to me. John S. Rad, The cinema of John S. Rad. What's your thoughts? Break it down. The guy did not quit. He had uh, several visions that he wanted to see displayed. And he had no ability to do any of it. Yeah. Uh, in, in addition to creating, writing, producing, directing, he scored the movie. And oh, yeah. If you want to see a quintuple hander on being lack of talent, <laughs> check out some John S. Rad breakbeats. Holy shit. 
I mean, it, honestly, that's a headline. I know that we always like we talk about. I talk about the music and how fucking insane the music is. But like, that's a headline of this movie is yeah. how fucking insane the music is because it basically is like you bought a keyboard and then hit one the first button that you had saw on the keyboard, and that was like your opening track for the film. <laughs> And instead of being like, okay, well, I'll edit it so that like at a at a crucial point it, the music stops or and it comes back in or does something like that or like, well, uh, this scene is obviously like it's completely changed tone, so I will stop this music and put in next. No, no, they drop a needle on the track. The track <laughs> plays all the fucking way through, and it doesn't fucking matter what the fuck is happening in the fucking movie, right? Not at all. I I watched this by myself, and I can say that I audibly yelled. What the fuck? Uh-huh. At least five times. Yeah. Maybe six or seven times. Like, there are so many moments in this movie that are completely what the fuck. And this movie has this insane backstory that is very similar to The Room. It, in the sense that, like, here's a person who came from a different country, somehow, through some kind of weird, shady way, has seemingly access to just unlimited amounts of money to spend on this ridiculous dream project. It seems as though when you watch this film and when you watch The Room, that it's made by an alien who has seen like five movies <laughs> and maybe like went into a public space for like 20, 30 minutes and just hung out like listening to people and walking people, uh, you know, watching people. And then was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know movies and I know human behavior. So. I'm going to make my opus now. <laughs> like I'm going to make my cinematic fucking opus now. But this movie honestly is like the room mated with Love on a Leash. Yes. And then Love on a Leash drank very heavily during the pregnancy. <laughs> smoked cigarettes, smoked crack, ate shellfish, ate stinky cheeses, like did every fucking thing wrong you could possibly do it in utero. Extended the then, pregnancy and the gestational period for like, two decades. Wait, like, way too, yeah, there's just like, I'm hanging on to this thing. It's not ready receiving my nutrients yet. And then finally it was just like, boop, put it out. Yeah, like it is so like inept. It is so wildly inept, but in a way that is so strange and unique that it is almost visionary. Like, I, I talked about how like, in Love on a Leash, it almost has like a new language. Like, yeah. <laughs> you have to like it. And it's a language no one has ever heard of before because the movie just made up the language. And in this film, it, it it's it's similar. Like it's fascinating in a way. Like it's so bad that it really is kind of fascinating. It is so disjointed. It's hilarious. None of the plot threads resolve. The ending is just it ends yep. because it just needs to. Yep. And yet it is endlessly fascinating. Like if you think like what what do you want when you watch a movie? And one of the things you want is something that gives you something new. Something that does not play by the book that every other film plays by. Dangerous Men not only does not play by the book. It has never heard of the book. <laughs> it doesn't know what books are. If it had the book, it could not read the book. It couldn't read it. It wouldn't make any sense to it. It would those these would just be weird symbols. It does not possess those capabilities. It is an amazing film. It is awful. It is brilliant. It is hilarious. It is not hilarious. Let's get into it. Let's go. Our film, Dangerous Men, starts with credits and a production title, quote unquote, called Simasim International. 
Zimzima, who got the keys to Mabima? It's it's his international. Oh, yes. It's all the way to the top, Kirky. <laughs> Waves crashing along a shore, and we see that John S. Rad's name is all over this thing. It's Every- the only name in the opening credits. <laughs> it's like it's fucking <laughs> But what we see is we see waves crashing, right? And and we get the synth funk music, and the music is just like bam 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 bam. The music does not ever fucking stop. And then finally we see this like shadowy figure who is approaching a house. He enters the house, he climbs the stairs, and he sees a woman who is in the bed. And he touches her knee. This is something that will come up a lot in this movie. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this first knee touching. Knee touching. Knee touching is crucial to this movie. So um, this man is in a black suit. The woman is sprawled out fast asleep on her bed in a nighty and full makeup. <laughs> like it's it, it's not day makeup. It's nighttime going out makeup, but she's just sprawled out asleep on her bed. And understand that this is I, I said they're in a home, she's in bed, but there's yeah. like no pictures on the walls, there's no dr- nightstand, dressers, there's nothing that would say people live in this home. And as as in every scene, there is nothing like an establishing shot. Uh-uh. Or an establishing like word or or some sort of like credit on the screen, some sort of chiron that says like we're here now and this is that. No, there's none of that. And you can say, well, you gotta follow it by yourself. That doesn't help either. Following it by yourself <laughs> doesn't do shit. I have fucking tell you right now. The man standing above her touches, like Daniel said, touches her knee, startles her awake, and as all women do when they are startled awake by a man standing over her, she instantly starts making out with him. And they they just start going at it right there on the bed. And they say, Happy anniversary. Now we don't know this at this time at the time, because this movie just starts and makes no fucking sense. This is David. Uh-huh. Okay. And his, I don't know, girlfriend. Well, he wife. says happy anniversary and gives her a necklace. He says happy anniversary, but like, I don't know. No, you're right. Have, are they married? Are they dating? Who is the fuck a... are they? What the fuck are they? How are they related to anyone? Who knows? David's wife never returns. Or girlfriend or whatever. Right. Exactly. So we go to another couple in a restaurant. It seems to be a restaurant. Whatever. It's them sitting in front of a window. And they are, like, professing their love to each other. Again, we don't know this at the time, because this movie is so bad at dispensing information. But this is Daniel and Mina. Mina is the woman. And they're in the restaurant. He tells her how much he loves her. They go, they're out. No, they don't go outside. They're just outside. They're outside, and they're kissing in the moonlight. But it cuts back and forth, like... The editing is just like, it really is insane. Like, in a way, it's kind of like, this is like an art film. Like, this is Antonioni-esque. This is like, it's cryptic. It's out of order. It's nonlinear. It's interesting. It's hard to trust that, (laughs) like, it is because it's so fucking poorly made. Nor is the the sound editing good because in that scene where they're in the restaurant, if they're not talking, the sound just drops out. And then when they talk, you hear the ambient noise. Like, she's talking to him, and you hear dishes clang in the background. I mean, they're really at a restaurant. (laughs) So they're cutting back and forth. John S. Rad is cutting back and forth between one couple that we know nothing about and another couple that we know nothing about. And they both kind of look like each other. And then, smash cut to, of course, 
a convenience store robbery? <laughs> there's just that a convenience store robbery right now. It's a holdup, and we're like, what's happening? And there's people, and they're like, ah, give me your money. But then we also see a woman who is sort of like skulking behind the counters and stuff. This is amazing. She is like kind of sneaking up as though like I'm going to jump up on them. But instead of like sneaking up behind them, she jumps in front of them and confronts them and says like, stop robbing my store. I'm the owner of the store. (laughs) (laughs) So she beats up the first guy. She kicks him and does some some martial arts and kicks his ass. Well, we're introduced to the fight choreography of this movie, which is lazily moving your leg around and someone going, (laughs) ugh. And obvious and missed shots. The same sound effect over and over yes. and over and over again. So she beats up the first guy. Even though they both have guns. There's two guys with guns who are holding up the store. She beats up the first guy. The other guy, who is still holding a shotgun, says to her exactly like this. Okay, bitch. You're asking for it. <laughs> and shoots her. Dude. She's dead. He's, he's holding an Uzi. <laughs> And he fires one bullet out of an Uzi. It's so it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And when I say fires one bullet, I mean the sound ah! effect the sound effect oh. of a bullet we shot plays. Single bullet sound effect. In an have... Uzi. <laughs> okay. So this is this is I, I gotta talk about this. I questioned for a while in this movie where I, I, I had the thought. This is too bad. Like this is right. every Zucker Abraham's yes. Zucker movie, Keenan Ivory Wayne's movies, uh MacGruber, they intentionally make these mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I had to sit there and wonder like, no, they're taking the piss, right? This is not it's 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 on purpose, right? It's not It's so confusing. It's it really not. is. But it there's times where you're just like, you have to be fucking with me. Like, you have to be fucking with me. Uh, maybe this is just insane to even try to, like, try to find some logic and try to find some meaning in there. Part of it is maybe due to the very long 20-year process of making this movie. And it seems as though the bulk of it was shot in the mid-'80s. However, he also made other movies, John S. Rad. So ah. it's possible that he edited stuff from other movies into Dangerous Men. So I just wonder if at some point he was like, oh, okay, I get how shitty this is. I'm going to try to kind of like piece this together. No. But then it's just like, no, because it's so fucking bad. I just, um. So yeah, we're at the convenience store. She is dead. But David, the cop, wait, did I mention David's a cop? David is the guy <laughs> who was going into the house at the very opening of the movie. This is David. Also, really smart to name the characters. David and Daniel. That's not confusing literally at all. Oh, well, all the David parts were obviously shot 10 years after the Daniel part, so he might have forgot. David and Daniel, we find out, are brothers. Daniel just talks like a regular guy who grew up in Missouri <laughs> or Ohio, and he's lived in America, and his, his family's lived in America forever. David is like... Barely more intelligible than Borat, honestly. He's just like, oh, okay, you got a very great woman there. That's fantastic. <laughs> He's like, okay, thanks, brother. Okay, what? my favorite How brother. The fuck is <laughs> You're my favorite brother. <laughs> You're my favorite brother, too. Thanks. <laughs> what? <laughs> How the fuck does that look? So just like- Another thing I love is at the time that David breaks up this 
burglary at the convenience store. He's just window shopping. He's just out joyously window shopping. He's just wandering the streets at night after, I guess, having pleasured his lady. On his anniversary. anniversary. He's like, you know what, babe? Happy anniversary. I'm going to go spend some time looking in windows. I'm going to wander the streets. I'm going to wander the streets at night. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he pops in and he stops this robbery and he locks up the bad guys. Uh, well, he does stop the robbery. He doesn't stop the murder from happening. He doesn't stop the murder. He waits for the murder to happen. And then as the guy is leaving, then it's much more convenient to just uh, pick him up. Now we go back to Daniel and Mina, who are still... This is like how fucking insane this movie. They're still kissing under the moonlight. They're still back on the same scene. You're just like, was this happening at the same time? Right. Then after the makeout scene, we have Daniel and Mina in a scene where they go sit down inside a house. And they're obviously wearing different clothes than when they just showed the establishing shot of them coming through the door. It's nuts. And it's years later. You can tell that it's years later. The actors have aged. (laughs) Mina introduces Daniel to her dad, who's like three years older than her. (laughs) They look the same. They all look the same age. It's so fucking hilarious. Yeah, her dad. And we find out that Daniel and Mina are getting married and that David is a police officer. Well, I guess we kind of knew that. But he's kind of he, – he has this weird line where he says like, yeah, the LAPD can get a, a, fi- a long fine without me for a little while. I'm going to go to a conference. Like he's going to a fucking conference? <laughs> <laughs> that never comes up. Like, I'm going to a conference. He's never at any conference. This scene is filmed. This phone call is filmed in a hotel room. He's got his feet up on the hotel room. <laughs> so maybe he's already at the conference. He's already at the He's like, I'm already here. Uh, so yeah, Daniel and Mina are now on a trip. What is this trip? They're driving in a, in a Jeep. The scene, you can see Mina holding up the microphone that she passes back and forth. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but yes, they're followed by two bikers. And Corky, as we all know, Ray Charles famously had Georgia on his mind. Uh, these two bikers have uh, something else on their mind. And it's not Georgia. It's rape. Yes. I don't know how they see her. They just see her in a Jeep, I guess. And are just like, wow, a woman. Let's rape her. So they're all on the beach, and this blocking in the scene is so bizarre. They're like, the bikers come up, and they're like, one of them is like, hey, share your woman? Yeah, share your lady with us. (laughs) Share your lady with us, which is... Mina, very understandably, is shitting bricks, because these guys are... walk faster. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel, ever the charming protector, says, don't panic and stop pulling my arm, for God's sakes. No. Walk he slower. fucking yells at her. Walk slower. So yeah, like these two guys accost them are like, we want to rape you. And then they're like, all right, you can leave. And then the two people leave, and but they walk away so fucking slow. The other people are like, you know what? You know what? Change, change of heart. <laughs> we were going to let you go. Huge character turn here. I'm going to rape you You're kind anyway. of taunting us with that slow walk away. Honestly. So one of them fights Daniel and the other one, the bald biker carries Mina away, like just picks her up and carries her away to. This is a wide open public beach. Like uh, they are well in sight of everybody on the Pacific Coast Highway. Daniel chokes the other biker to death. Yeah. And the other, the bald biker realizes this and is like, oh shit, I got to stab this guy now. So he goes and stabs him. While all of this is happening, again, we've gone from like, oh, this is a really sweet scene on the beach between two lovers who are going to get married to like attempted rape to two murders. Yes. 
the music has not changed. <laughs> it is <laughs> that <laughs> same like. <laughs> <laughs> It has not changed. Right. It didn't escalate or de-escalate or do anything with the fucking action or what was happening. It just kept going and going and going and going and fucking going. So this biker, he he, he stabs Daniel and he says to Daniel, you killed my only friend. <laughs> At which point Mina is like, hey... Mr. Biker, what's your deal? I'm into you now. She starts coming on to him. My guy's dead. I want a real man. This honestly kind of freaks the guy out a little bit. He's like, what? You're crazy. I just murdered. Wow, that's a little much. That she's like, come on. Don't you want to go to a hotel or something? And he's like, oh, okay, cool. That's fine. Cool. So I guess we all learned that when you only saw two sets of footprints, it's because the other two were murdered in the attempted (laughs) rape, knife fight, choke out on the beach. You thought it had something to do with Jesus Christ. It no. did not. Yeah. No. I mean, well, who's to say? So the music finally does change, but it is to something much stranger. Yeah. Much stranger. Now it's like this weird ballad that plays as they almost in real time check into a hotel. We get a, like very, a long <laughs> very important hotel checking in scene. So it's like super important that we get like, all right. What's your name? What room do you want? Right? Can we have a five o'clock wake up call? <laughs> you guys aren't going to be loud, are you? What's the continental breakfast like? Like what? <laughs> like, I get... And what cracked me up so hard? This is what was my first like big laugh at the. They check into the motel and they don't go to their room. They go have a nice dinner. They go have steak and fries in the, in the hotel restaurant. They go. They go to the restaurant at the motel. There's a restaurant at this hotel, eh? Like, like what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> hey, there's even a restaurant at all. They go to the restaurant, they sit down, and the waiter brings them their food. Yeah, before... <laughs> like, he just, like... He just brings them their food. It's just like, here you go. This is the food we have at the restaurant. This is what restaurants are. This is We serve food. Here's the food. It's like defending your life. It's programmed to know exactly what you want when you sit down. We know your favorite food. It's the same thing we serve to fucking everybody. But back in the room, she goes and she's like, I need to shower. The ball biker is like, awesome. I'm super into this. He licks the blood off of his knife. That's right. I guess her dead fiance. She's in the shower, comes out in a towel. He's in his tidy whities. That's another kind of recurring thing is tidy whities on the male uh, villains. Also, Hers- very gross bathrooms. She, very, I yes. would not have showered in that bathroom. No, no, not even as a ruse. <laughs> and it is a ruse because yeah. she says that she wants, she gives him instructions. You know, she's seducing him now. She says, first my knees, then my belly button. We she gets naked. He's working her knees. He's working her belly button. But we see her from behind. And what is hidden in her butt crack? <laughs> the knife that she stole from the fucking restaurant. It's in her butt crack. A close up shot. It of is a straight knife. up in her butt crack. And she stabs the biker. And there are like close ups on her boobs as she is plunging the knife and flexing her boobies. Um, and then she gets dressed. Yep. And she says to the biker. You son of a bitch. From now on, all trash like you is going to end up dead. She sneaks out of the hotel. Mina is now running down the roadside. I mean, I running. I use that charitably. 
She is fast walking down the roadside. To that same parents just don't understand music. <laughs> she hitchhikes a ride. At which point there is, I can't even ex- exactly explain what happens. Is it memories? Is it a dream? Is it some kind of delusion or something like that? But she has these memories of Daniel. She has these memories of her father. There is this amazing shot where her father, who again yeah. Yeah. appears to be the same age as her and Daniel, is sitting there in a classic like Ward Cleaver pose, yeah. sitting there reading the paper in his chair, and she is like sneaking up behind him and pounces on him and goes, Meow! She's a <laughs> fucking adult. She's an adult pretending to be a cat for her father. And her dad's like, whoa! <laughs> like, he's really upset by it. That was one of my what the fuck moments. Yeah. It was just like, what? Why? He has to be fucking with us, right? I, do, I think that meant something to him or he's just like, well, I got this footage. I can't not use it. This is good cat stuff. I was like, yeah, we were we were doing some improv. <laughs> she, she came up with the whole, I'm going to be a cat and pounce on my father thing. And I was like, well, this is just absolute gold. <laughs> what? What? Who the fuck ever comes up with that? Whoever comes up with it and then who shoots it and then who is like, I'm going to put it in the movie. Yeah. If you were going to make a case, the John S. Red is simply fucking with us. This is like one of your top top exhibits right right like this is what you, this is like exhibit a right here this is a key piece of evidence is mina having a memory where she pounces on her father like a cat yeah to counter that argument uh permission to approach the bench oh please i'm gonna contribute exhibit a in the john s Regis is an incompetent filmmaker by the next sequence where the the she's hitchhiking and gets picked up by a Chevrolet <laughs> truck by a British man in a suit in the middle of the desert. Sure. She falls asleep in his truck because this woman's just been attempted, raped, murdered a man, and she's naturally knackered. He has a soliloquy to himself where he says, I've picked her up. I've got a raper. She's here. And his justification is, I'm a henpecked husband. She's God's gift to henpecked husbands. Pulls out the snub-nosed reviver that he keeps in his visor, Natch. In the visor. It's just like, well, this is why it's here. This is why it's here. Finds a little spot in the desert and waits for her to wake up before attempting to rape her. But of course, she has this amazing trick, which is to say to her rapist, I want to have sex with you. At which point they're like, cool. Cool. Let me put my gun down. Let me (laughs) let down all my hands. Hands are the gun. Hands are the gun. (laughs) Gets him to take off his clothes. And then she pulls out the knife again. Right. And I wondered, was the knife in her butt crack this entire time? Was she sitting on the knife? That's her secret move. She, so this actress is holding this man's penis in her hand (laughs) and has a knife to it. And he's still demumbling monologuing. So this is where John S. Red is an incompetent filmmaker because we spend an inordinate amount of time with this man That's nakedly so walking through the crazy. desert. It's so crazy. Any like conventional movie, any movie that had any clue of what the fuck it was doing, as soon as this guy is stripped naked and left by the roadside, it would be done with him. Because he has he serves no more purpose. Right. right? Movie stays with him for like 10 fucking minutes. Keeps cutting back to him. For 10 minutes. Keeps cutting back to him. He's just dithering. 
dithering. He's talking to himself. He's blabbering. He's talking to his own penis. For some reason, he's covering up his penis and butthole when there's nobody around. (laughs) There's no one around. It just keeps cutting back and forth between him naked and muttering and Mina, who is driving and crying. Yeah. And in the middle of that, he just like, he starts dancing. Yes. He just starts dancing. John S. Red thought that would be hilarious. I don't fucking get it. It's so fucking, oh, unfucking believable. Meanwhile, Mina is driving and echoing, I I think, the sentiment of everyone who's watching the movie at this point says, I can't believe all this could be true. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm right. I'm with you, baby. I'm with you. Like, what the fuck? And then finally it stops. Finally it stops. And we cut to something that makes a lot of sense, right? And eh, wrong. A completely nonsensical farewell scene between Mina and her father. Yeah, shot five years like, past the what? original what? shooting. What's happening here? Her father's just like, yes, I understand, Mina. You have to go. Here's money. She go. says, let me go where my life leads me. And he's like, I get it. <laughs> here's a, here's all the like, money. What? I don't get it. Can you explain it to me? Mina's father? What the fuck? Makes and no then sense. the one of the fun, my second just bust out with this scene of her walking away. And then she inexplicably starts running. In these wedges. <laughs> yes. In tight jeans and wedges. And we watch her run down a half a block. No, it's funny because, like, yeah, she leaves the suburban house, starts walking down the street, and then it's obvious that the director yelled, No, you're in a big hurry, or something like that. Because <laughs> she just starts, like, Oh, okay, yeah, no, run, but I can't really run because of my pants <laughs> and my shoes. Like, fuck, what? Fuck, an incompetent fuck. <laughs> So now we come back to David. Remember David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the opening, he's the guy who walked into the house. He's the guy who foiled the robbery. That all happened so long ago, it seems insane. But there's David and his partner, maybe? Does he have a name in this movie? No, and even though David has a name, I think in the (laughs) credits he's just like hero cop. (laughs) So David and his a black detective are working on this case, which is the, obviously we got two murders. We got a couple of corpses on the beach and they're starting to focus on Mina. As they're talking, the the camera zooms out in this really self, self-consciously awful way. And we see on the, behind them, a wall calendar that says December 1995. Yeah. <laughs> obviously this movie was not shot December 95. Oh, so fucking good. Cut back to the black cop. This is amazing. Who is talking on the phone to, I guess, his girlfriend or wife. It's a black woman. And basically, she is saying, like, hey, stop doing police and sex me. <laughs> basically, those are the words. That's not what she says exactly, but it is just as fucking nonsensical. I assure you, it is gibberish. She's just basically like, I want you all the time, yes. every day, every hour. And then she hangs up the phone. She pounds the bed in frustration, at which point we shot cut to a sex scene uh-huh. between this woman and the black cop. Is this a flashback? <laughs> did they did he is it a flash forward and he went home? Is it her fantasy? Fuck 
if I know, it Again. was the footage that John S. Yes. had. He's not going to not had. use he it. He put it in there. I had to use it. I had to put it in there. We never see that woman again. The cops' wives are, it's like heat. They are non-existent. The cops' wives do not count. (laughs) We're done with that woman. She is done. Oh, fuck. Um, Mina, we cut from the sex scene to like Mina driving. By the world famous Pantages Theater. And she picks up a hooker. The streetwalker says, you're a cop, aren't you? Mina says, no. I'm not. And the prostitute says, I'm Susan. <laughs> that's, the, that's how it goes. So I love this. Mina takes her back to, I guess it's her apartment. I, we, we've never seen this place. We have no establishing shot. There's a bed and a thing on the wall that looks like a, a murder board. Yeah. So she takes her back to her apartment. And then the uh, hooker immediately starts taking off her clothes, right? Mina is shocked. What did they talk about the entire car ride back to her apartment? (laughs) Hookers are not going to like spend time with you just talking about bullshit. Well, the prostitute gets in her car saying something like, as long as you're paying, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. But then, yeah, they have a long car ride. Obviously, they check into the hotel, which we know how long that takes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they go up to the fucking room. They go in there. They put the stuff away. They get some ice from the ice machine. You know, Mina <laughs> takes a shower. <laughs> like, it's a whole fucking process. Um, and then, like, Mina tells this woman, like, no, like, put your clothes on. Like, I just want to talk. And this woman says, you're crazy. And Mina says, I'm not crazy. You are. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and this woman's like, wait a minute. You just want to talk? Like, you just want to ask questions? Like, why didn't you say so? And Mina says, I was trying to, but you wouldn't let me. Yeah, what the fuck is this scene? What? what? It's a literal job interview because she's just interviewing her about her job and her fears <laughs> and her wants and desires. So the prostitute apologizes, as you do, because uh-huh. I guess Mina was, like, really into when people apologize to me. I'll so, pay extra. <laughs> There's an extra 20, if you will, apologize profusely to me for something you fu- didn't fucking do. It was literally well, fucking ever. So then we cut to Mina, who is in bed, and she says to herself as she prepares to sleep, from now on, I'll just be another one of the girls working in the streets. Is that what you say to yourself <laughs> before you go to, like, what? It's like, why don't I start the scene with, like, well, here I am, Mina. Ready for sleep <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> and as we find out in the next scene, no, she is not just another one of the girls walking the streets because she actually starts driving around, picking up guys. And she drives up in her car and is like, hey, come on, like, literally get in my fucking car and, like, let's go. Like, she is the John in this case. And like, then murders men. And and, like, and then kills them. We, yeah. I respect sex workers. You respect sex workers. It's, it's, it. there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with ad- consenting adults wanting to get into some business. Are we to presume that all these men tried to rape her once they t- she took them back to her house? That's what I'm saying is like, a, it seems she's picking on like, there's one guy that who is just like alone on a dock like by himself in the shadows and she comes up to him and is like let's fuck and then i'm gonna stab you you sure that wasn't a homeless man like you're a <laughs> hundred fucking percent sure that wasn't a homeless man or a gay prostitute or just a guy on hollywood boulevard because you're going around in your car and you're not saying like i'm a sex worker 
pay me money for sex, you're actually acting as the John. Uh, but case. I will say, in Mina's defense, 75% of the last four men that she's met tried <laughs> to rape her with a violent weapon. Very true. Very, very true. So this is where we actually see in Mina's, I'm assuming, memory, a scene where she gives Daniel, remember Daniel is the fiancé who was stabbed to death on the beach, the most hideous looking piece of homemade shell art it's amazing. That is imaginable. The like, actor uh, looks confused as to how to react she, to this thing. She gives it to him and she goes, this is for you. And he, yes, he does look like, am I supposed to be horrified by this? Because <laughs> it seems like something Buffalo Bill would make. I hate like, this. I literally hate holding <laughs> this. I'm having a severe negative reaction to this. We then see Mina's car breaks down on the Pacific Coast Highway and she starts hitchhiking again. Well, she says... What a time to run out of gas. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? <laughs> but she starts hitchhiking, and a B-210 pulls over, and she asks, can I get in? And the guy never technically says yes. She just jumps right into his car, which he immediately takes as a cue. I'm going to pull over on the side of this cliff and rape you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the shots have established that, yes, he is... Driven off the freeway, and he's starting to drive off-road, which is what, like, the British guy did, right? They do a cut where the car is not moving, and she says, what the hell are you doing? And he's <laughs> like, I'm driving you off here, and, and then then starts driving. <laughs> like, <laughs> the car is not in motion when she <laughs> delivers the line. It's fucking amazing. It's like, how, how could you... Like, the guy just realized, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be driving while I say this. Oh, hey. <laughs> it's fuck. She makes sure that this is really what he wants. Almost in a kind of like, do you, you want, like, almost kind of like a, a consenting partner would do to confirm this. <laughs> and then shoots the man dead. Shoots him dead and rolls his car very slowly off of a cliff. We get a shot of a car going off a cliff, which I 100% fucking guarantee <laughs> was not okayed or licensed. No, no, he no. did not get any no approvals. For this. No permits for this. They really just shoved a car over a cliff. Supposedly, I, I read an article about this. Supposedly, this was his daughter's car, which he took away, he took away from her because she, <laughs> as a punishment. <laughs> Put it in his movie and rolled it off the cliff. <laughs> but what's amazing is that it rolls off the cliff and then suddenly explodes. But does it explode? No. no. It cuts to an explosion. <laughs> I can't even explain how this happens, but it's just like, it is the Mystery Science 3000 ver version of, it, of an explosion. Like, we're not having money for an explosion. Yeah. Cut to like a close-up of a light bulb. <laughs> right. <laughs> really fast. And then put an explosion sound effect. We then get more stock footage because now we get some cop cars from 1966 cruising through the valley. Yes. All There's a willy plane willy. also. I don't know who is on that plane. And then we cut to a guy who is at a desk that we have never met before. Remember, we're like two thirds of the way through this movie. So suddenly they're just like, this is a guy. So this is amazing. <laughs> this is, who is this guy? It's the chief. The chief of – the chief. He's just the chief. He is the, the law guy the, who catches bad guys. The airplane taking off had something to do with him. I Maybe. I don't know. He's talking on a phone. Yeah, the phone is not plugged in. No. And all the while, as he is talking, he is reading from a script. It's so 
fucking in front of him, amazing on a desk with his lines highlighted in yellow. And as he says his lines, he is holding a pen, and you can see him being like, "My line." Person off screen reading me lines. You can hear the person off screen reading the lines to yes! him too. They kept oh. that audio. They didn't record other audio for somebody reading off the screen. That's oh, what fuck. it's a parody movie would do this. It's as though they were like, All right, listen, dude, we've done three takes of this. I can't <laughs> handle this anymore. I'm just gonna give you your script, just read it online. Does I'm I even highlighted your lines, they're in yellow. It's really something else. Professional actor alert. Reading a script set in front of him on screen. But you want to talk about the height of professionalism. Now we have a news anchor behind <laughs> a very professional looking news desk. Well, we see a, we see a newspaper headline that says the mysterious tramp murder. Now, either way, it's derogatory. But do you think that they meant she's a tramp as in she's a prostitute? Because remember, she's. Play acting, I get, or pretending to be a streetwalker who is murdering all these people, or do you think they meant tramp in like the Charlie Chaplin sense, in that she's murdering fucking homeless people, and is indiscriminately just like slaughtering people in like tent camps? Well, I think they saw the footprints on the beach, saw multiple footprints. Saw it's a dog, got tramp from Lady in the Tramp, thought he was the killer. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, you're right. We see this news report that offers some details on the murder. It says the murders are, quote, spreading across the country from city to city. At which point, Mina, the thing is, we haven't really, like, dealt with Mina. Like, what, like, what is, like, actually going through her fucking head at this point? Because she was just, like, murdering people. She was on her fucking, like, what was that, a honeymoon? Like, yeah. like a couple of days ago. And now she's like, you know what? I'm going to go on a cross-country murder spree. I'm a serial killer now. And the next Eileen Warnos, I'm just going to fucking do it and just have fun with it. Um, but yeah, she sees his support and she's like worried. And she's like, oh my God, they're getting closer and closer every day. <laughs> but the black cop tells David, you know, it's time to go on vacation. What? Like he was just the way he does conference. it. It's so fucking funny because he goes, you know, he's talking about that. Mina was with the biker. They got some, uh, the motel owner ID'd her. And then he just goes, but what are we talking about? You're on vacation. <laughs> Get out of here. We were only just talking about your brother's murder and the kidnapping of his sister-in-law. What are we talking about? Get on vacation. Oh, you're going to Euro Disney. Also, stay off the case. Yeah, and then he, he before he leaves, after saying, like, oh, this is a lighthearted, fun thing, says, don't go after those bikers. Next shot, bikes. David's going after the bikers. It's the Bodega Bay Biker Bar. They are all in this, like, Yuppie Bar and Grill that has been taken over by the bikers. <laughs> bikers with ever-changing tattoos. <laughs> right, right. There is an exchange between David and the bartender. Oh my god. I, I it, it's it's amazing. I want really... I, I want to clip it and put it in right here because I it, <laughs> there's no justice can be done. David it cuts and David is drinking the beer as it cuts, right? So it cuts to David who is in the bar surveilling these bikers. He is taking a drink of the beer. He puts down the beer. It is clearly half full. Half full. The bartender walks up and is like, hey, can I get you another? And David says, yeah, I'll have another beer. The other guy just produces a full glass of beer. He had it ready. Takes away the half empty glass <laughs> For that, David slips him his second $100 bill. 
Keep the change, he says. This guy's out $200 for two beers just to watch some bikers. This whole thing that's happening in the bar, there's another, as we said, there's another bald bike gang leader. Different guy. Same gang, maybe. And he sees a woman playing darts, and he wants to, quote unquote, bang her. So he's like, I want to bang you. He, he accosts her and explains his whole banging theory. And they fight, and he says, I'll break your face. Uh, she leaves through the door that leads directly to a beach. It's f- so fucking funny. Because you cut to her frolicking in the surf in a bikini. Like, she was just in a bar, fully clothed, throwing darts. Next cut, she's in a bikini. She's f- frolicking in the ocean and leaping around and jumping around, seemingly, like, playing it for the camera. She went right out a door. And then the next time you see her, she's in the waves crashing on the... Uh, that is nowhere near a bar. Oh. But before we go away finally from the bar, <laughs> the fucking cop, the bartender asks him his name. And he says, like, why do you want to know my name? And he says, because uh, I want to know who to give the eulogy to or some shit like that. <laughs> he says, my name is Clint Westwood. And the, bar- <laughs> the bartender gives a line reading, Clint, yeah, I will call you Clint Cuckoo. Ladies and gentlemen, we have script writing on a love on a leash level. So good. So we should also, I mean, this is happening the entire time throughout this entire movie. This is where I really noticed it is that the crazy, upbeat, synth funk music that is going on the entire time. It it rolls straight from like the kookiness that is happening in the bar with Clint Westwood and Clint Cuckoo back on to this guy raping, trying to rape this woman, a stranger on the beach. Yeah. David yeah. running to her rescue and wrestling the biker by essentially but, grabbing his head and holding it until come he on. passes out. You're saying wrestling. He jumps on his back and kind of like does a like <laughs> ha-cha, you know, kind of with his hands and then twists his head slowly, which I guess knocks the guy out. The woman has walked up the beach, put her sundress back on, and now is just and watching. Just passively watches. <laughs> such a weird thing. But my point being that like, the music is the exact same sure. from goofing around in the bar to attempted rape on the beach yeah. to saving her from rape to now let's take off on the road again. There's no thought of like, oh, wait, this is a massive change in tone. No, no. Let's change the music here. Let's like let's stop this music because it's upbeat and silly and put different mu- like No. No, and it will be that music through murders, attempted rapes, uh, dinners, and chase scenes. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything. Sex scenes. After subduing the biker, this woman... She says her name is Sharon. In the credits, she is woman playing darts. She They gave her a name, but they did not use that name in the credits. That's this fucking movie. So she gets in his car, which somehow is parked by the side of the road. Space... Time, logic, there's none of it. It's, How did this woman uh, get to the bar? Because she just is leaving with a man. She's like, oh, I need a ride now. I, I mean, obviously. <laughs> obviously I, read, I went to the beach biker I went to grill. I was going to have a dart beach frolic day. <laughs> so she gets into David's car. They drive off. They then stop 
just just like a little ways down the road, pull over by the side of the road, wherein David uses the rape victim yes. as bait what? for the rapists who just tried to rape her and who he had just subdued on the And beach. she is willing to go She's along like, with oh, this She's like, oh, cool, 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 cool. So I just, I'll sit I just on the hood of the myself. car, show some so leg. hood of the car, yeah, pull him over, it happened one night style. The bu- just the biker pulls over. The whole rest of the caravan's like, I don't want to see you rape this woman. Uh, David is like hiding in the car. We cut to him hiding in the car, wearing a helmet and just sort of hiding, like waiting for this guy. But then as, as the biker carries the woman off, we cut to David's foot. David's foot is caught in the upholstery of the car in a way that is physically impossible. Because we can see him... We see his top half, and he is face down in the car. Yeah. The foot is face up, and it's stuck in the door of the car somehow. His body would be, like, twisted in half. They keep cutting back and forth, and I was sitting there going, like, wait, how, how did his foot get in there? I mean, I, did I miss? It and doesn't I, make sense. How, how could it? I, how could it? No, Daniel, I had to have a moment with myself where I was like, quirky, stop. You don't go back and check and see if you missed how his foot got caught in there. This movie <laughs> is not going to provide that. <laughs> and and even and if behold. it did, it would not be satisfactory. Lo and behold, it does not. Um, yeah, David just gets his foot out. I mean, that was nothing. Gets his foot out and is like, hey, biker, I'm going to get you. The biker no, shoots him. No, the, the, the words. No effect. The words he says, he screams at the biker who's trying to rape the woman. <laughs> hey, dirtbag. Don't be so sure. <laughs> what, what the fuck? Of, what? Of, ah. So this starts another fist fight that Sharon once again just watches without any reaction. She's just like, wow, I almost got raped twice. I'll just watch this fight without any any a- any expression or anything on her face. She just watches it impassively. The same punching in the face sound effect happens about like 20 thousand times and finally david subdues the biker the music of course never stops there at any of this he does that that head hold choke move yeah where it's just like i'm gonna hold your head your press on tattoos on your head are gonna get a little smudged to where they can't really see what they are anymore (laughs) so he puts the biker in handcuffs and sharon says to david your bulletproof vest worked oh okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At which point she decides, like, I'm going to get undressed and yes. undress again. And all the while, as with the bikini scene on the beach, it seems like she's doing it for the camera. Yes. In a, weird, in a way, right? Like, she's just sort of, like, putting on a show. Obviously, John S. Rad was like, I guess I need sex in this movie. Right. Uh, sex sells. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> so the biker gets put in handcuffs. They drop off, uh, drive off. He drops Sharon off. And they drive away with the biker. There's a this scene is, that we, that cut in where the cop is the black cop is now talking to the chief, and right. he says we've we've put a radar detector on the cop. He's not going to stay away, and he says, uh, you know, he's worried about his murdered brother, and now this whole me thing with Mina disappearing. Those are the same things. <laughs> his brother was murdered, and Mina disappeared at the same time. They do not know where Mina was. You've made this connection already. Come on. These bikers are sort of tied into the other bikers. The other bikers are dead, so it's not like they can catch the murderers, but they're going after this 
biker gang. But also you're just like, where the fuck is Mina? Like what happened to Mina? Like oh, yeah, this was yeah, about yeah. Mina. And all of a sudden it's just, it's not about Mina. It's about Black Pepper. It's about Black Pepper. It's somebody who we have not really heard much about until this point. But right. the bald biker decides, I'm going to show you the way because I, I want Black Pepper to kill you. Does he even show him? Because he's just driving him around Sonoma, around the backgrounds of Sonoma. <laughs> and, the, and then he pulls up and he's like, what's that up there? And he's like, that's Black Pepper's house. He's like, Did he just, just luckily like, sure. find it? Sure, there it is. Then we cut to a uh, back of a man's head who's holding up Mina's headshots. The actress plays me, and he's like, "Yes, we know where she is. We have her surveilled right now." What I love is he says, "I have everything, even her picture." Like that's a basic thing to have. <laughs> uh, start with the picture. Wait, what else do you have? Do you have anything besides the picture? Because that's garbage. That's a scene that was filmed of someone's head looking at a picture of her, and someone later filled in the dialogue to go with what they were say- what they were saying. Yeah, and there was a whole lot of ADR as like the cops are like preparing to bring in Mina, and they're closing in, and there's a bit, like there's a shot of or like a sound effect of a helicopter, and then there's some guys who are like, oh, go this way and go that way, and then finally some guy is just walking like one foot behind her and yeah. just picks her up and is like, you're arrested. He f- so Mina's arrested. Boom. He flashes a badge, and the badge says "Policeman, Police." On the top, <laughs> it says "Policeman." Really? Yes. Oh my god! And Mina is gone from the movie. Me- that's it. That's it. That's that's the end of Mina. That was her whole storyline. And and again, like we have barely dealt with her for the last half hour, anyway, right? Right. Like, she is completely dropped out of this movie, and then it's just like, no, she really is dropping out of the movie. Boom, she's gone. So David and the biker drive to Black Pepper's mansion. We see Black Pepper inside the mansion. This is great. Black Pepper, blonde D. Snyder hair, bandana, tank top. There's a woman he is fondling and who is dancing. She is wearing a Hard Rock Cafe baseball jersey. I know, like that had to be like the highest expense on this production. It was like seventy five dollars for this fucking. She baseball. is wearing what she wore to set that day. Is what she's wearing what in the film. What's your nicest shirt? She's an obviously intoxicated woman cuddling <laughs> up on Black Pepper while a fucking belly dancer just dances in front of them for three Yeah, minutes. then all of a sudden it's just like, boom, a belly dancer. Not not the woman in the Hard Rock Cafe baseball jersey. This belly dancer is just performing for him, and it happens for several minutes. Yeah. Belly dancing has not been mentioned. We don't even know who the fuck this Black Pepper guy is, honestly, no. really. He, he does you're... politely thank the belly dancer for her services and tells her to he be says, at the club. Thanks, Ruby. See you at the club. <laughs> As he has picked up the woman and is carrying her into the bedroom. And you know straight where Black Pepper's going, right? Oh. Hitting those knees and hitting that belly button. This sex scene went on for so long. I was watching it. This is the middle of the day. My wife works during the day. Uh, this went on way too fucking long. Way too long. And no payoff, for the love of God. No that payoff. actress did not enjoy this scene. You could see her pushing him away. When I he would felt go. that lack of enjoyment in <laughs> watching it. It went on so long. So David pulls up at the gate. Men with guns meet him at the gate. Oh, shit. David's fucked. He didn't think this through. But, oh, sh- no. The chief is there. Remember the chief of everything? The so, chief's there. 
they, I guess, so this is, I mean, the, the logistics of this just do not make any fucking sense. No. Even if we're blaming that they put a radar detector on the car, they were, they were 10 feet behind the bad guys and the bad guys just didn't see them in this wide open expanse. Or hear them. Like, that's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, what's crazy is that that sex scene goes on so long, so like several minutes. And then suddenly it just abruptly ends to this scene of like David being confronted at the gate and the chief backing him up. So you're like, what is the sex scene ever? No, they go back to it. They go right back to it. And one of Black Pepper's henchmen opens the door and we see Black Pepper, like the bald biker before him, is in his tidy whiteies. Yeah. And the guy is like, hey, there's somebody at the gate. You got to get out of here. The henchman goes, boss, boss, cops are all over the place. (laughs) That accent is unidentifiable. So I, I don't really know that much about police work or how any of this stuff works. I've seen The Wire. I've seen some cop shows. When you're going on a raid, typical attire would just be like your plain clothes. If you're not in uniform, <laughs> it would be like your plain clothes. You might have a bulletproof vest. If it's a real big job, you might have like tactical gear with like a helmet and something like You know what I mean? The black cop in Dangerous Men decided I'm going to go in a different direction. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go denim jacket, sleeves cut off. Nothing <laughs> underneath. Nothing underneath. Dad jeans. Acid wash. That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's what he wears to a fucking raid. We When we saw him earlier, he was wearing like a tie. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just like, I'm on a raid now. Cut off <laughs> jean jacket, bitch. He knew that they were going to do a perp walk with Black Pepper a little later, and the, yeah, uh, the exactly. cameras were going to be there. He had to look <laughs> good, show off the guns. There's one cop, a woman, who is wearing a not official police attire, but she's got an Uzi. Why are these L.A. cops in Sonoma anyway? We, we know we're at Bodega Bay. <laughs> uh, cops start chasing Black Pepper. David meets Black Pepper. They fight. But Black Pepper overpowers him and escapes. That is the end of David. The other no. protagonists in this movie. Yeah, remember movie. David? Yeah, no, he's gone. That's Done. It. He just gets beat Lost a fight Black to Pepper. Black Pepper. Black Pepper, who the fuck? So Black Pepper could easily get away. At this point, it is a foot race between him and the chief. The chief is an old man. Remember, he, he needed a script on screen? This poor that's, man. That's who he's running away from, okay? The, that That's the level of person he's running away from. Black Pepper, for some reason, decides, A, I'm going to just crawl into this crevasse. I'm just going to call I could just run around it. I'm going to crawl into this crevasse for no reason. The music, of course, never stops. Uh, gets through the crevasse. The chief yells, I'll get you, you bastard. But Black Pepper, in an even dumber move, is a, has gotten through this little, gotten through all the cliffs and stuff. He's now in a suburban neighborhood, and he enters a house. Again, there is a very old man chasing him who is very far behind him. Black Pepper could just walk away at this point. But he decides to enter this woman's house. Of course, he's got rape on his mind. He pulls out a knife. The woman who is watching TV and no. knitting a quilt. No, 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 no. She's blind, bro. She's, She's blind. That's why her eyes are fixed at one location. <laughs> knitting. Or sewing. It's not really knitting. How the fuck does she know what she's knitting, though? Come on. <laughs> Come on. And is packing a luger underneath the blanket that she she's just sewing. hears something and pulls out 
a fucking gun from underneath the quilt that she's fucking knitting. It's amazing. She uh, pulls the gun on him. Somehow Black Pepper like gets behind her. Yeah, he's on the other side of her now. He's just on the other side of her, and he grabs her. But the chief shows up just in time to save her, saves her life. Black Pepper goes down, put the cuffs on Black Pepper, and freeze frame, final shot. Because the movie's over! It's fucking over! The movie's over! He's in the middle of reading him his Miranda rights, and the movie just stops. The movie was just like, uh... That's yeah. This is a good spot to end, I guess. I <laughs> know it isn't because you have you have it, none of the plot strands have been resolved. What the <laughs> fuck happened to Mina? What the fuck happened to David? What the fuck happened to the murder investigation? What the fuck happened to the black cops girl? What the fuck happened to anybody? Don't know. End credits rolling. That's it. That's and that it. Same fucking song plays again. <laughs> And it's crazy because, like, there are three people in this freeze frame. The woman, who has come in in the movie in the last three minutes. Black Pepper, who's come in in the last maybe 15 minutes. And the chief, who came in in the last third. Nobody who was in the first two thirds of this movie figures into what is happening in this final sequence here. The movie just ends to end. It was just as though, like, I needed to get to 80 minutes. This is exactly 80. Boom. John S. Rad didn't finish a movie he was just finished making a movie (laughs) you know what i mean like there's a difference he just said dealer i'm out i'm going to a new table (laughs) so corky dangerous men that is our film for the week any final thoughts before we give our ratings jana i forgive you for what you've done to me, I know you didn't intend it. It was it was revenge against Daniel. <laughs> but I feel like I'm, I don't know, the black pepper in this situation. I was never doing anything wrong. I just got, well, except at the very end. He tried to rape a blind woman. But <laughs> So, yeah, I guess I'm not the black pepper. You know, let's scratch this whole metaphor. Yep. Nope. No good. I forgive no you, Jamie. A nonsensical metaphor for a nonsensical film. So let's uh, explain our ratings once again. Run of the mill bad film, Dare, Next Level Bad, Double Dare, and a movie that we actually like. Reverse Dare Cork, your rating for Dangerous Men by the auteur John S. Rad. It's it's a double dare. For me, it's a double dare, but I want people to see it, so go go see it. I can't I get a lot of these really bad movies are like rape fantasy, rape revenge fantasy movies. I get tired of that, and this one didn't do anything justice besides be tawdry about it. So it's a double dare, uh, but go see it if you are a aficionado of bad movies. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I'm going to go with a dare. I I'd sort of felt like possibly reverse dare. It's just it's so it's just a hard movie to categorize, which is why it's so kind of fascinating, especially for some it's you know someone definitely- like myself who is constantly trying to categorize movies and trying to like put them in boxes and give them definitions and things like that this movie really defies that exactly yes that's good mostly really awful ways um as we said it's one of those things where you feel like it's impossible to parse intent because sometimes it really feels like it's intentionally bad other times unintentionally bad other times some kind of mix of the two it's it's in some weird place 
I don't want to necessarily give it credit as like, I see a lot of people being like, oh, well, this guy just has passion, passion for movies. I don't know. I feel like this guy had time on his hands and money <laughs> on his hands and was like, I'm going to do this as a fun, as like a fun fucking hobby. I'm going to like make this movie and then I'm going to keep making this movie and then I'll keep making it, making it, making it, making it. And finally, I'll put it out at some point. He died, I will say, in 2007, like two years after the movie first got its theatrical release so he did not live long enough to see his movie get appreciated as this kind of weirdly sublime bad movie um it does seem as though like love on the leash is a great anti or a great comparison because it's it's so inept it's just inept in ways that we've never really seen before right it's hard to tell how inept it is also, what's kind of interesting is that both Fen Chan, who directed Love on a Leash, and Jonas Rad studied film in their home countries. Like they re- they really were film students. I don't know how that fucking fits into any of the shit. Because I, I mean, <laughs> I went to film school. I know a lot of really fucking inept motherfuckers. I it defies description. It defies anything. Yeah. Again, if you're a connoisseur of bad movies, jump on the shit. It's not an easy watch by any means. Uh huh. And it's a great point that it kind of defies our rating system and how we usually apply things. It, it, in a movie that could be any one of the three categories, it really is not. It can't be shoehorned into three. one only. Yeah. Yeah. It's all three at the same time. It That's spills what's so out. Up about it. <laughs> That's so fucked about it. So that is our movie. Our movie is Dangerous Men. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares like this one from Jana Sinclair, Super Listener. Thank you, Jana, for the dare. Thank you for the donation. You're awesome. Until our next episode, send your most distic or altruistic movie dares and send your uh, donations to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram collectively. Those make up the Schmied. The Schmied, as I've said before, is a fantastic time-saving device. People have learned carpentry by saying Schmied instead of social media. People have learned. People have been researching their family history. They've How to tie knots. Trees, knots, um, semaphore, uh, Morse code. <laughs> People are learning things that they never thought they would learn. Dead Mapped languages. constellations. New languages. People are exploring the cosmos through the time they have saved. By saying Schmied instead of social media. See how long that takes. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We won't judge. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, you old salt, you. Yeah. Where can people find you doing your dirty work? Oh, probably at the Bodega Bay Biker Bar. I'll be <laughs> shooting darts. Right there by the espresso machine. Right by the espresso machine. Or I'll be checking people into the motel in real time. Uh, (laughs) So for Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corgi McDonald saying, sure, I'll call you Clink Cuckoo. (laughs)